0: Thank you, Lord. Well, turn in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy 4. And if you don't have a Bible, we'll probably have the scriptures up on the screen for you. And let's read in verse number 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. Now, who is the Spirit? That's the Holy Spirit. That in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. You know, I've definitely seen this in our time of pastoring. But even in recent times where you see people have begun to depart from the faith. Now, you can't depart from something that you've never been. You know, you can't say, well... I departed from Dickinson, but I was actually in Bismarck. You have to be in a place. And so these are people that once walked with God, and it says they departed from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. See, that's why we should never uh, disobey our spirit. We should never, something, if something bothers your conscience, pay attention to it. Amen. Don't don't just let it uh, your your conscience get crusted over. Don't let things bother you because what happens is the more and more that you allow that, you're getting duller and duller. But but you know it's just like this. Who's ever worked with their hands and you, your hands like you get these calluses and and things on there. Well you know it's like I've I've seen people that you know you can you can get so much calluses. I heard a guy he was talking about he was working with some other people. Uh, he was loading uh, freight on a dock. He said these men would get out there during the lunch break and take a knife and just like cut in their hand. You know, just break those calluses up. Well, there's just no feeling at all. And this is the guy. He said that he even had the same thing happen to his. But he said, you know, it's been many years since I loaded freight. My hands are not like that anymore. So even if you have dulled yourself, if you repent, you can get that to where your your conscience. Is clean again. Your conscience is clear. Your conscience is tender. And so what he says is these people began speaking lies and they had their conscience seared. Then verse 3, Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. If you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you shall be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto you have attained. Verse 7. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise yourself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, or as the margin says, for a little time. But godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your word today and thank you that every heart is ready to receive. Every ear is attentive in Jesus' name. Amen. So notice this. he says, go back to verse number eight. He says, bodily exercise profiteth a little. And as the margin says, for a little time. It's like I heard one person say, bodily exercise profiteth a little, but the little that you do will profit you. And so, you know, some people say, well, you know, the Bible says it doesn't do any good. No, it just, it profits little, but just in reference to what? In comparison to eternity. And you exercising your spirit. He says, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So godliness is profitable. The Bible says so. The Bible says having promise, number one, of the life that now is. You know, one thing that you find a lot of people do is they want to put everything off to the future, don't they? Well, when we get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Well, thank God, it's going to be amazing and it's going to be great. But right now, I'm concerned more about the here and now because that's where I'm living. When I get to heaven, I won't be concerned about here on the earth because I'll be there. And I'll be, uh, it's going to be a different time. So having promise of the life that now is. And number two, and of that which is to come. The Bible tells us we have a hope laid up for us in heaven. It's the great hope. It's, it's what is this called the blessed hope. What is the blessed hope? That Jesus is going to return, that Jesus is coming back for his church, that he's going to split the eastern sky. He's coming back. We're going to meet him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That, that's good news right there. <laughs> and so we want to make sure that we take as many people with us in the meantime. And so we have this expectation. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, that if we have hope only in this life, we are of men most miserable. So what does that mean? If I just had, okay, you have a good hope now, you have a good life, but it, what, what is that if you end up going to hell when you die? So it's not just one or the other. It's a good life, and God wants to give us abundant life now, and the Bible says, of course, when we go to heaven... I mean, you know, there's not going to be any trials, no sickness, no hearse, no funeral homes. I mean, most, most of the professions that are down here, you, you mean, you won't even need them. You won't need the doctor. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So I want to share this morning about godliness is profitable. Godliness, say that, godliness is profitable. So what does that mean? If something is profitable, it pays off. Just like physical exercise, it pays off. It helps. It pays off now. But it, godliness pays off now. It pays off also in eternity. The book of Malachi chapter 4 tells us about individuals, though. And you see this even today. Malachi, I'm sorry, chapter 3. Verse 13 says, Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken so much against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the proud happy, yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. So you have people even today that say, what, what good is it to even serve God anyway? especially when you see people that will backslide and they fall away from God. But, you know, it's amazing. People that have tasted that the Lord is good and seen the goodness of God and then go back. But the Bible says it's according... Peter said this. It's according to the true proverb that says that a dog returns to its vomit. You ever watched a dog do that? You ever watched a dog and you think, no, don't do... But, you know, they... It's just like when, you know, like our dog does number two, and then he gotta, he's got to turn around and look at it, you know. And then, you know, if a dog throws up, they got to eat it again, you know. But that's what happens. That's, that can be a, a tendency if we don't stay free, if you don't stay in God's plan for your life. And so there is profit in serving God. There are benefits. You know, as we said, people put everything off to heaven. Psalm 68 verse 19 tells us, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. Even the God of our salvation, Selah. Blessed be the Lord who daily... See, that's not just once a week. That's not just, you know, every once in a while. You know, twice a year I get blessed and I, I feel goosebumps at church and the Lord. No, Daily. Daily, he loads us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. So, you know, if people say, man, that person, they, I mean, they, they got it together. It looks like they got it together. I think they're loaded. You can say, yep, that's me. I'm loaded. Even if you have to say it by faith, I'm loaded. You know, we, we say that many times when someone's rich. You know, they're loaded. So if someone looks at you and says you're loaded, you just say, yes, thank you. Praise the Lord. We're loaded with benefits, even the God of Of our salvation. Selah. I want you to turn over to Psalm 103. To help you to see this. Talking about some of the benefits. That God has given us. So we said that godliness is profitable. It pays off. It pays to serve God. People should know. You know what? I may not agree with them. I may not understand everything about them. But things are working in their life. (laughs) You know their kids are not crazy. And um. They have a good marriage. Things are working. Um, their, their life is, is good. Their kids are, are good. They have a good job. They should know that because of the goodness of God. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So what are some of the benefits that God has given us? Who forgives all your iniquities. Now how many are glad for that one? That God has forgiven you of your sins. He's forgiven me of all my sins, all of my iniquities. Who heals all my diseases. See, sometimes people like to take their theological scalpel out and they just kind of separate that. But the psalmist says, He forgives me and He heals me. Who redeems my life from destruction. Who crowns me with loving kindness. I know I'm so thankful that, you know, my life was headed for destruction. Till at the age of 18, I gave my my heart to the Lord. And God set me on a different path. The Bible says, He crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies my mouth with good things. So that my youth is renewed like the eagle's. He satisfies my mouth with good things. You know, that's why it's so important to put the word of God in your mouth. That when you put the word of God in you and it comes out of you, what's going to happen? There's going to be life. Death and life, the power of death and life are in the tongue, or in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Let me quote it right. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. And we we read some of these benefits. But godliness is profitable. And I want to give you four different areas where we can see this in our life. That godliness is profitable. Number one, protection. Does it serve, does it pay to serve God? Is there a benefit in serving God? Is there something that That we have that the sinner doesn't have. That those that don't know Jesus, that they do not have. Number one, protection. Psalm 91. Says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. See, not everyone has access to that, that secret place. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. He shall cover me with His feathers and under His wings shall I trust. His truth shall be my shield and my buckler. I shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the air that flies by day. You know, what is the world... What is the spirit of this world? Fear. See, the whole world is going down this one stream of fear. And people think if you're not afraid, then you don't have enough sense to be. Well, you know, they don't have enough sense to be afraid. Yeah, we have Bible sense. Bible sense that says, casting all your cares upon the Lord to not fear. Like he says here, I will not be afraid for the terror by night. Verse 6, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. See, you, you just have to be bold about that and say, you know, all this destruction that's happened in the world, all these diseases, all this calamity, it will not come near me. Now see, most Christians, they'll say, well, who do you think you are? It's not who I think I am, it's not who he is. It will not come near my house. See, what gave David that boldness? What gave him that authority to say something like that? You know, people say, well, you know, one in in five people or three in five people get this. Well, two in five don't. And I might as well be the two. But see, people are just programmed negative. A thousand shall follow my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. Only with my eyes shall I behold and see the reward of the wicked. Other translations say this. He says, only a spectator I will be. That means that when bad things are happening over there, I'm just standing up and I'm, just, I'm watching it, but I'm not going to be a participant of it. It's going to fall at my side. But see, that's only if I'm staying in the, in the secret place of the Most High. But look at verse 9. Because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, my habitation. See, we're talking about godliness being profitable. There shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. I don't know about you, but I I have a whole host of angels that are... Protecting around me and keeping me. And I'm sure I've kept them busy in in my life. How about you? (laughs) They shall bear you up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder. I like what Luke 10, 19 says, that you shall tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. What does tread mean? Step. It means walk on it. That means yeah, tramp. I'm gonna. I'm gonna walk over the devil. You know, it's like the one, the two ministers were talking, and, and one said, they said, um, brother, so and so, praise the Lord, I, I got the devil on the run, and and the other minister said, well, praise the Lord. He said, the problem is, is I'm running and he's after me. Well, that's not what the Christian should be. The devil's not running after me. I'm I'm chasing him out. The Bible says, you resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. The Bible never told us to pray that God would do something about the devil. Oh, God, just tell the devil to quit. Just, just, Lord, tell the devil to leave me alone. You know, one guy came up to a minister and said, would you just pray that the devil would leave me alone? He said, okay, let me pray right now. Lord, just let him die right now. Oh, no, I don't want to die. Well, that's the only time you're not going to have trouble with the devil. <laughs> but nothing to despair because the, he's under our feet. That's why I'm going to tread on him. I'm going to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Amen. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God and resist the devil. You know, when you resist the devil, it's like this. If it was pitch dark in here, which is impossible in this room with these windows, but if it was pitch dark, you know, when you go turn on the light, when the light comes on, you know, it doesn't just the darkness doesn't just peel back halfway and just stay in the corner. No, when you turn on the light, what happens? The darkness flees. When you resist the enemy, he doesn't just step back a little bit. The Bible says he flees. He runs as in terror. If you're serious, well, if you just say, okay, devil, you just leave. You you have to have some authority and boldness about it. In the name of Jesus, go, be gone, sickness leave my body. And don't just play around with it. Resist the enemy, and he will flee. Maybe we need to turn to that verse. People are looking at me like, is that in the Bible? Yes. <laughs> so godliness is profitable, number one, because of protection. Now we just I read from Malachi 3. If you just skip back a couple verses in that chapter, we have another protection that I like to think of like this. It's called tither's rights. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And look, what does he say here? He says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. So there is protection. What did the Lord tell you? He said he's going to rebuke the devourer. He's going to rebuke the devourer. What does that mean? That means that my stuff won't break like other people. That means that my stuff lasts longer. Can you say amen? I have rights. The Lord protects me. Thank you, Lord. And so number one, protection. Number two, purpose. Godliness is profitable because of purpose. You know, when you get born again, you're not just living for yourself anymore. We're living for the Lord. The Bible says whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. You know, the Lord actually owns us twice over. He owns us by way of creation, and He owns us by right of the new birth. And so that's why the Bible says, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. He goes on to say, our body's for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So why is that important? He says, present your body a living sacrifice. So when I present my body to God, and it's for His purposes, and I'm using it for the Lord, then the Lord's going to be for my body. What does that mean? Well, if I give it to him for his use, he's going to take care of it. He's going to make sure that it's running in good condition. I mean, you know, we need some tweaks sometime in this body. Hey, before we run this race out, you know, there's, there's things that you may face, and you need some healing, anointing coming in your body. You need something that's the power of God just to come in and, and resurge your body. Amen. So when your body's for the Lord, Lord, this is your body, this is your temple, I expect you to keep it in good condition, Lord. Amen. I expect it to run on eight cylinders. Amen. Twelve cylinders. So we're living for Him, not just to live, not just to eat, to work a job, but to be about kingdom business. The Bible says that He fills the hungry soul. So God will give you purpose today. God will fill you to overflowing. And whenever He does, He always puts a, a vision. He puts a mission on the inside of you. Something for you to fulfill. So godliness profits in all things. Second Peter 1 verse 3 says this. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, by these promises you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So God gives His divine power through His promises. And these promises is what gives us purpose in life. There's some 30,000 promises in the Bible. So anything that you need, there's a promise for that. Amen. A lot of people say, well, give me a word. Okay, let me give you a, a, a new Bible, and you just go to town, and you start reading it. God, God, God has everything in that word that you need. So God gives us purpose. Godliness is profitable, number three, for Promotion. Everyone say promotion. Why does it pay to serve God? Because God will promote you. For promotion, this is Psalm 75, verse 6 and 7. Promotion comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. What does that leave? That leaves the north. That's God's direction. (laughs) But God is the judge. He puts down one and he sets up another. You know, that's why when we pray for leaders, you always pray the plan of God, and you pray the, pray the will of God. You know, God is able to remove someone. You know, you don't have to take up petitions and do that. God's well able to remove someone from office. He says here, God is the judge. He puts down one. The Bible even says that, that he has the heart of the king in his hand, and he turns it whatsoever he wills. That's why we have to pray for our leaders. Proverbs 3 verse 35 says this. The wise shall inherit glory. Does it pay to be wise? To have the wisdom of God. But shame shall be the promotion of fools. Everyone say bad. (laughs) The wise shall inherit glory. But shame shall be the promotion of fools. So it pays to serve God. You know. The enemy lies to people. Well, you know, you, you've taken a lowly uh, road by, by serving God. You, you've done this and that. Now, you got to remember who's saying that. Loser with a capital L. The devil is, a lo- is the biggest loser on the planet. <laughs> don't, don't say that. You might antagonize him. He is a loser. He's under my feet. I'm not afraid of what he'll do. You know, a lot of people do that, and they'll think, think, I'm not going to say it loud because the devil might hear me. He's the very one I want to hear because he's under my feet. (laughs) People are afraid of the enemy. I'm not afraid of the devil. I said I'm not afraid of the devil. Why? Because I'm armed with the word of God. The Bible talks in Ephesians 6 about put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, against the trickery of the devil. What is that trickery? It always is with thoughts. It's always against the word of God to challenge the word of God. What did the devil do with Eve? Hath God said. He always challenged the word of God. Hath God said that you shall not eat of the fruit. What did he do to Jesus? Jesus. He looked at Jesus and said, um, you know, if, you, if, you, um, if you're hungry, which you are, cast these, these stones into bread. And then he said, you know, you know, cast yourself off this pinnacle, for it is written. Now see, now the devil's quoting scripture. But Jesus says, it is written again. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Then he takes him the third time on the, the pinnacle of the temple. He said, it is written. It is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So every time that Satan comes, it's always for the word of God, and it's always to challenge what God had already said. That's why we have to know what God says. Hallelujah. So it pays to serve God. Even if there is a price to pay, it's worth what you pay. Amen. Amen. You know, it's like this. I mean, just think about this. I know people don't like when when people talk about it, but just think about like your physical health and think about it like this. There's always a price to pay. You know, if you want to if you want to be an Olympic athlete, there's a price to pay for those people and the rigorous activity they have to do. I mean, it's Unbelievable, you know, and the the physical activity they have to maintain. And, of course, the calories that these people eat. Like, but, you know, when you're running like that, you're like an incinerator. You know, food just comes in and just gets burned up and burned up. But, you know, if you you think about these people that are training, it's a price to pay. But what if you say, okay, just think about this person that wants to pay that price. What if you don't want to pay the price? Well, it's still going to cost you something. If you don't do the exercise, if you don't do that, what's it going to cost you? It it costs us our health. It costs this and that. It's all going to cost you something. You just have to realize, which one am I willing to pay? Same thing with serving God. It always pays to serve God. I want you to look over in Mark chapter 10. See, I don't know about you, but I've read the back of the book, and I know that we win. And so I know that I'm on the right team. You know, if you know that your team's going to win, and uh, I know this is a, not a good example, but, you know, like, if you've ever seen Back to the Future, and they got the book, you know, where they know who's going to win in the sports, and then, then he wanted to bet on the game because he already knew who was going to win, the, the almanac thing. Well, you know, we already have the back of the book. We already know who's going to win. So no matter what it looks like, you know, it's it's amazing because the devil still thinks he's going to win. Loser. He still thinks he's going to win, but we already know the back of the book. But Mark chapter 10. So we said number three that one of the things that, that happens when we serve God and serve him fully is promotion. Look at verse 28. Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed you. And Jesus answered and said, Truly I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and with the and in the world to come eternal life but many that are called first for many that are first shall be last and the last first so notice here's peter he's saying lord we've already we've left all and jesus says there's no man that's left now see that's the key word in this in this whole thing that he left us if if someone didn't leave anything then this doesn't apply but he says If you've left this for my sake and the gospels, he shall receive. Now notice this, a hundredfold now in this time. Notice not when we get to heaven. You know, not when we get in the sweet by and by. Now in this time. Houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands. With persecutions. You know, as I've said before, you don't have to believe God for that. The persecutions will just come naturally. You don't have to say, Lord, I'm believing for the hundredfold, and I'm believing for more persecutions as well. And, Lord, we need more persecution. No, if you're doing what's right, yea, all those that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And so, but the thing is, he says here, now in this time. Now in this time. Here's the thing. I want you to understand too. When do you need prosperity? When do you need abundance? I know some people hate the word prosperity, but money, abundance. When do you need that? When do you get to heaven? No, you need it now. When do you need healing? You need it now. When when do you need direction in life? You need it now. When do you need all the different blessings of God? All the different provisions that he's already made? You need it right now. So godliness is profitable in the life to come, but yes, it's profitable right now. In the sweet bye-bye, in the sweet now and now. (laughs) So number four, perpetuity. Perpetuity. You could say perpetual or ongoing. Why is godliness profitable? Because it's something that's going to last past this life. If for no other reason, the fact that I get to go to heaven and I miss hell, that, that's enough. I mean, you know, worst case scenario, you lose your stuff, you die of sickness. If you're born again, you go to be with Jesus. I mean, that's, that's the greatest thing right there. Even if, you, if you, you miss short of all that God had had planned for you, because heaven is actually our home, I said heaven is our home. Hebrews, why don't you look at Hebrews chapter 11? Just in your spare time, you should read this whole chapter, this, this hall of fame, of faith, as we say. Hebrews chapter 11. But I just want to focus on verse 12 through 16 here. He says, Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, And confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You know, that's who we are today. We're strangers and pilgrims on the earth. What does that mean? I'm just passing through. I'm just passing through. This is not my eternal home. This is not the end of everything. I'm just passing through. I'm on a mission right now and I'm passing through. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Now, isn't that what we saw with Lot's wife? What happened with Lot's wife? They said, get out of here. Get out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Go from this place. And there were several times the angel just had to really just kick them out. Say, go right now. And the Bible says that as they went, Then there there rained fire from heaven, fire and brimstone. But Lot's wife, the Bible says that she turned back. Now, it wasn't just like she just looked like this. There was a longing for whatever reason in Sodom that she just longed for that. And you know what happened? The thing that she longed for, she became. Whatever you long for in life is what you will become. If you long for God and his plan for your life, then that's what you'll become. But if you long for wickedness, like like what happened here, she turned and what happened? She became a pillar of salt. She became that sulfur, that brimstone, the very thing that she wanted. And so the Bible says here, If they've been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. See, before she even gets out of there, she wants to return back to it. And she did. The Bible says she became a pillar of salt, never to take a step the longest day she lived. But now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Look at that last phrase. For he hath prepared for them a city. God has prepared, is preparing a place. Hallelujah. The Bible says in John 14, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said, in my Father's house, there are many condominiums. You know, duplex apartments. There are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if, he says, if I go, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. So what is Jesus doing right now? You know, the Bible says he was a carpenter. He's making a way. He's making a place for you and me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That's our eternal destination. That's our eternal abode. (laughs) Hallelujah. So this, this is where we're down here. This is actually just faith school where we're at right now, where we learn the Word of God. We learn to walk in faith. We learn to be led by the Spirit. Why? Because all of these things we'll be doing for eternity. And God, in the meantime, left us a few demons to practice on. Amen. Cast them out. But heaven is my home. I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul said concerning this. First Thessalonians. I'm going to read chapter 5, then I'm going to go to um, chapter 4. For yourselves know perfectly, First Thessalonians 5, verse 2, that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Now, what he's about to say, you need to say over your own self. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, they sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day. See, sometimes you just need to say this. I'm of the day. I'm sober, I'm putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. See, what, is that, what does a helmet do? What does it do? It protects your, your mind, your head. It protects your mind. See, the hope of salvation. The, the, the very thought that I'm saved. See, there are people, like we read earlier, it said they shall depart from the faith. But I, I'm, not, I'm not planning today to depart from the faith. You know, if there was something better out there, I might consider it. But, but God's enlightened us to the fact that this is what life is. Life and life more abundantly. Life in Christ. So he says here, But let us who of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, We should live together with him. You know, even your body, the Bible refers to as sleep. Now, he's not talking about soul sleep. There's no such thing as soul sleep. And some uh, cults and some even denominations um, propagate that. But soul sleep is not in the Bible. What he's talking about is your body. Why? Because we know that to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. That's not your soul sleeping. Your, your, your soul and your, your spirit, they don't need to sleep. You're either in one place or the other. And then if you look back in verse, I mean, chapter 4, look like in verse 13. He says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. See, this wasn't just Paul's opinion. This wasn't just what one of the apostles came up with. He said, this is by the word of the Lord. That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself... See, this is the very next thing that's coming in God's timetable. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. I like what Jesse DePlante said. He says he's going to shout so loud he's going to wake up your dead grandma. (laughs) He shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain... Shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You know, a lot of lot of the church world today doesn't even believe in a, a literal rapture of the church. And, and sometimes it's because they say, well, you know, the word rapture is not in there. Well, neither is the word Bible in the Bible either. But the, we know that the, the event is there. A catching away and so what does he say he says comfort one another with these words that jesus is coming back hallelujah thank you lord and so godliness what 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 makes godliness profitable well one day when when jesus when the trumpet sounds and i believe even before my life is over so the lord tarry then then my body be placed in the gra- in the grave But even that's not even the end. Oh, grave, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? (laughs) Paul got sassy with death. He's like, where's your victory? You know, grave, where's your sting? Amen. Why? This is soon and very soon. This is very temporal. The Bible says that the last enemy that shall be put to death, that death is actually the last enemy to be dealt with. No more dying, no more crying. Hallelujah. You know, if that doesn't excite you, then your wood's just wet today. Hallelujah. So I just want to encourage you today. I don't care what, what the enemy's lied to you. Nothing is worth giving up the plan of God or, or, or missing out on God's best for any temptation, for anything that the enemy would try to place in front of you. Amen. Romans 8 verse 18 says this, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And you know, if you look at the Apostle Paul, he was not without problems. <laughs> he was not without temptations. He was not without all kinds of things. The, just look in on 2 Corinthians 11 sometime and look at all the things. He says, I was beat three times. I, was, I suffered shipwreck. I spent a day and a half treading water. He says, I, was, uh, I had false apostles, false brethren, false countrymen, all these different things that he faced. He said, plus the care of the churches. But I like what he also said in another place, but none of these things move me. None of these things are going to move me. He said, neither do I count my life dear to myself but that I may finish the course that's before me, the race that Jesus Christ has put before me. He said, that's the only thing that matters. That's the only thing that's going to matter in eternity. He says, the rec- I reckon that the sufferings, are there sufferings? Yes, there are. But they're not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. If you study this out in 1 Peter There's a correlation between suffering and glory. Now, I'm not talking about suffering sickness and disease. We've been redeemed from that. I'm not talking about suffering poverty. The Bible says we've been redeemed from that. But suffering persecution for the gospel's sake. (laughs) But, But the Bible also says when you do that, the spirit of glory and the spirit of Christ rest on you. He says therefore will I glory in tribulations. See, you have to look at it in the right way. A lot of people will be getting upset and, oh, God, you know, I've been serving you and just look what happened. No, he says when when you think it not strange for the fiery trial that's come upon you. But what do we do? We think it's strange. Oh, you know, what have I done? You know, I must have done something wrong. God, why did this happen? He says, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial. <laughs> He tells the Thessalonians the same thing. He said, when, when all these things happen, don't think it's strange. He said, you've been appointed to this. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. We just live in a, in a, world, a fallen world with crazy people sometimes. And, and so you just have to realize to fight the good fight of faith. <laughs> fight the good fight of faith. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you today. Lord, that it truly pays to serve you. Lord, I know all the years that I've walked with you, I thank you that godliness is profitable. Lord, it pays to serve you. And that, Lord, even people... Sometimes they may not see right away. And the devil we know the devil lies to even believers to tell them that they should give up, that they should quit. But Lord, I thank you that on the other side is the answer. On the other side is victory. On the other side is blessing. On the other side is the freedom they're looking for. We thank you, Lord, for your protection today. Thank you, Lord, for purpose. We thank you for promotion. We thank you, Lord, for perpetual living in your presence. That, Lord, being godly, there's something to it. And, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for birthing even in people today a hunger for the things of God like never before. Lord, that you would birth something on the inside of them. Lord, for holiness and righteousness and sanctification, redemption. Lord, that that people would just be hungry for you. And not be satisfied in Jesus' name. Lord, where many people are distracted by the things of